Peace, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Behold Pop Culture, the show where we take a look at some prominent people, figures, and events in pop culture today and in the past and try and see what lessons we could take away from them. The date of this recording is Saturday, March the 6th, and we have a full slate of content as for the past few episodes. I spoke about how the music industry was on somewhat of a break, and now as the NBA goes into their All-Star Weekend break, the music industry made a big return with a couple major hits as we await some big albums on the way. But as usual, we'll start off with the sports side of things in the NBA, where just before All-Star break, the official halfway mark of the NBA season, Joel Embiid seemingly cemented his MVP campaign. Now, I've been raving for multiple episodes about how great this man has been playing. Just a full resurgence of the center position is coming in the form of Nikola Jokic in the Western Conference and Joel Embiid in the East. But Joel Embiid has been so dominant as he leads his team to being number one in the East, by which in his most recent game, he took on the Utah Jazz. And in a very close matchup that he was consistently giving them problems within, in the last seconds of the game, they're down by three points. Joel Embiid catches the ball in the post and shuffles his feet to step back behind the three-point line to hit a contested three-pointer to send the game into overtime. Just unbelievable stuff we're seeing from the center position. His footwork has been immaculate this year. His shooting has been highly efficient for his position. It's no longer a conversation about whether or not he'll win the MVP. It's just going to be by how many votes. Likewise, another player in the league who's been, to some extent, carrying his team, Damian Lillard, did it again in a game against the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors were playing very well. Steph Curry had another easy 30 points against the Portland Trailblazers. But Damian Lillard, at the end of the game, came up with two amazing plays. A signature limitless range three-pointer to put his team up by a point. And on the other side of the court, he had a defensive play, a charge call against Draymond Green to seal the deal. The Portland Trailblazers, a team that many people counted out, once their second and third best players in CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic went down, it seemed like they would at best be fighting for an eighth seed. But Lillard has kept them afloat with back-to-back-to-back 30-point performances, he's dishing out plenty of assists to his team, and plenty of people have stepped up as well. It's not all on Lillard, but once again, he got the job done with his team. They had a fun matchup even earlier in the week when Carmelo Anthony, the original Melo, took on LaMelo Ball, and they both came up to the matchup. They showed up. They both put up about 30 points. LaMelo had a little bit more counting stats because... That's just what he does. He's a facilitator. But to see Carmelo shooting with high efficiency in any game is always a pleasure to see just knowing where he came from almost out of the league. And now he's returning and having a significant role off the bench for the Portland Trailblazers. And he's just as important of a reason for why they've stayed afloat. 
And the only other major news for the week in the NBA was the Warriors continuing to maintain their presence as a legitimate playoff-level team. Even with all the shuffling of the roster, even with Steph Curry getting double-teamed every five seconds, he's still finding a way to get open. They revolved the whole offense around him, and it's allowed Andrew Wiggins to revive his career, Draymond Green to continue to remind people why he's such a great player, why he's going to likely be in the Hall of Fame, strictly off of his facilitation. He just had a game with 19 assists, 10 assists is normal for him, and players like James Wiseman and Kelly Oubre are starting to settle into themselves. But as we enter the break for the NBA, the All-Star game is going to be the talk of the town. This year, because of the corona restrictions, they are limiting it to one day. They're going to have the three-point contest and the skills challenge, and then the all-star game with the dunk contest right in between. It remains to be seen how much care is going to be put into it. We're coming off of a couple years where the all-star game seemed to hold some merit. As teams were competing, the telltale sign of whether or not the all-star weekend is going to be good usually comes down to whether or not players are willing to play real defense in the games. So even though you get your highlights here and there, obviously you're going to have your MVP putting on a star performance. When it's coming down to a close game and players are playing real defense, then you know that there's some level of intentionality coming into the game. So all you could hope for is that the players are excited to play in the game, even with all the complications, the controversy, and the polarizing topic of whether or not they should have even held the All-Star game. But with that, of course, I'm going to keep my eye on the game and the events, the festivities, and be right back here to talk about what happened next week. And the only other major event in sports is in the UFC where Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, will be taking on Jan Blahowicz in a light heavyweight title match. Unfortunately, this match won't get too much attention because as great as Israel Adesanya is as a fighter, and as crazy as it is to see different fighters cross into new weights as he'll be going up in weight for this fight, this seems to be a preliminary fight for him. Now, if he loses, all of that goes out the window, and this actually did turn out to be the the real event to watch. But at the end of the day, this seems to be somewhat of a stepping stone as what could be one of the biggest fights by far in UFC history lies in the hands of whether or not he could come away with the victory. If Israel Adesanya wins this fight, he will be taking on a man who many believe to be the greatest UFC fighter of all time, which really translates to the most deadly person of all time. And John Jones, John Bones Jones, one of the most dominant fighters to ever touch the UFC. It seemed like the only battle he really had was with himself, with different accusations of drug enhancement, drunk driving, just off the field, off the canvas issues. But whenever he stepped into the ring, it was game over for whoever was on the other side. So as Israel Adesanya is the rising star in the UFC right now, the hottest name in the sport, if he can beat 
the number one contender in the light heavyweight division, seemingly, we're going to have a major super fight on our hands. So any UFC fans, I'm sure you'll be checking out that fight. And if he does come away with the victory, I'm going to have to come here and have a lot of hyperbole, a lot of exaggeration about what might take place in what could be the greatest super fight of all time. So I'm rooting for Israel Adesanya in that fight. He's the jack-of-all-trades fighter in the UFC. He seemingly has no weakness. And he's taking on a man who's known for his power. And Israel has already dismantled several people of similar ilk. So it remains to be seen. Will he come away with the victory? And I'll let you know next week. So we could transition to the topic that has been waiting to get more love on the podcast. And that is the music section, where we have to start off with the kid from the six, the Toronto representative, former Young Money star. Of course, I'm referring to Drake, who has now dropped an EP called Scary Hours 2. Which seems to be, if we exclude the Tussie slide that was clearly a TikTok song, if we exclude the Dark Lane demos that were clearly throwaway tracks, his first real release in a long time with three songs, What's Next, Wants and Needs featuring Little Baby, and Lemon Pepper Freestyle featuring Rick Ross, and all Three of them, pure fire music. Drake is putting a lot of pressure on the industry right now. With these three songs, phenomenal tracks, Flow Immaculate, the features Little Baby came with a great flow, Rick Ross came with his bars, and on Lemon Pepper Freestyle, Drake did some of the most rapping I've ever heard from him on a single song. So all the songs are going crazy in the streaming right now. People are making their claims. Drake is back. The certified lover boy is going to go crazy. He has the industry real scared to release now. It seems like with this level of reaction to his music, anyone in the rap game has to be thinking, without question, I have no doubt in my mind, that they do not want to drop the same week as this guy. Because if you drop the same Friday as Certified Lover Boy, it's over for you. You're not going to get the same level of attention as you would any other week. And Drake is now known for really having a hold on an entire month after his release. Of course, assuming that the music is great. But Drake hasn't given us any reason to believe that that wouldn't be the case. So Drake drops these tracks. The cover art is nice, clean, simple. He drops a video for what's next, and he's letting us all know he had to step away for his injury, he had to recuperate, he had to get his mind right, and it sounds like if the Certified Loverboy tracks are anything like the Scary Hours, it's going to be real spooky for anyone trying to release their music. And this is amidst the rumors that J. Cole is planning on dropping this year, Kendrick Lamar is seemingly liable to drop at any moment 
Drake has set off what could be a very big year for music. Everyone has been tucked away. 2020 was a time for you to get back in the studio, get your mind right, figure out what music you want to release. And I'm here for all of it. But before we get the Certified Loverboy album, Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac released the first single off of their album that's scheduled to release this week, Friday. They released the song Leave the Door Open with a smooth, great singing, great instrumentation, just an absolutely soulful song to set the tempo for their upcoming album. Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac were gliding on the beat as they did what they do best. Anderson Pac, we know he plays all these instruments, loves singing, he has a great album. Bruno Mars has been a pop star for a long time now. And their upcoming album, Silk Sonic, I have very high expectations for it. Whether or not you're a fan of Bruno Mars, I'm sure there'll be some great music in there for you to listen to. They'll have some pop songs. Maybe they'll lean a little bit more into the R&B. And of course, it seems like with Bootsy Collins on the album, there'll be some funk influence as Bruno Mars has had for his whole career. And for the rest of the industry, there were some small releases here and there. People released some deluxe versions of their albums with songs on them. Some people decided to release whole albums, like in the case of Tory Lanez. And there even was an additional track dropped from Juice World, Rest in Peace. But seemingly the biggest news outside of actual music being released was the company Square. If you're unfamiliar, Square is the company where you can attach these little devices into your phone and swipe cards to make payments. A very popular device for businesses, particularly smaller businesses. And they are also owned by Jack Dorsey, the co-founder and CEO of Twitter. And just from hearing that, you can reasonably assert that his money is long. So he recently decided to make an acquisition of the music streaming service Tidal. He acquired the majority stake from Jay-Z for approximately $300 million. Not a small amount of money at all. But naturally, outside of the fact that Jay-Z just came into a lot of money off of that, outside of the fact that Jack Dorsey is known for making good investments, what this means is he likely saw something in title that he has to believe he could leverage. And briefly off of my research, there seems to be some interest in continuing to develop the quality of the app. As personally, Tidal has a strong case as being the highest quality music streaming app. They have the highest quality sound if you have the premium version. They give you exclusive concerts and they give you exclusive deals to go to certain concerts. Now, I'm not here to buy or sell you on Tidal, just making objective observations. So, in my opinion, it seems like their angle is going to be continuing to develop Tidal and to rebrand it. Whether that means Jack Dorsey could leverage Twitter to have natural integrations, 
Twitter's already taking the Clubhouse idea, so who knows? Maybe they take the TikTok idea and integrate title contracts with different artists to be able to have their own similar service. There's a lot of speculation that can happen. People are considering the potential use of NFTs, non-fungible tokens, where I won't go too deep into it because that deserves its own 50-plus minute discussion to have a full understanding. But there's financial implications where with Square being a financial-based company, they could revolutionize the way that artists are even paid, the way that artists even see the worth in their art. So for anyone with an eye on the industry, it's worth just keeping your antenna up because you never know if Tidal might come out someday and say, hey, we're experimenting with this new project. And I believe that Jack Dorsey won't be making investments in vain. And even if you're not necessarily interested, don't worry, because Behold Pop Culture will continue to keep the finger on the pulse and let you know what's going on in that space. As we will with the new episode of WandaVision, as we have to discuss the season finale, episode 9 of WandaVision was released. As normal, spoiler alert, we'll dive right into episode 9, where the entire episode was a battle between Wanda and the evil witch Agatha. As Wanda had to figure out how she would defeat a witch who knew significantly more about how to use her powers and how Wanda even arrived at her abilities. Because Wanda is now some mythological creature known as the Scarlet Witch. And in this, we learned a lot. We learned that Vision, a question I had continued to ask every week, we found out that he was actually made, crafted, from a piece of the Mind Stone that entered Wanda with the interaction we saw her have with it. So she was able to use that little bit of power to create her false Westview version of Vision. We learned that Monica has her own powers, where she seems like she can see all energy. She can become light, apparently. And based on the post-credits, she has some type of connection with Captain Marvel. So I expect to see her in the next Captain Marvel movie, potentially going on an adventure with her. We also learned that the White Vision didn't retain any of Vision's memories. But Westview Vision, after a long battle, beat him with philosophy. As he explained to the White Vision that neither of both of them were actually the true vision that originally existed. And the fake vision was able to give that white vision all of his memories back. And white vision dramatically left with simply saying, I am vision. So he's somewhere wandering in the world and we have no idea where he will end up. And on Wanda's side of things... She figured out how to cast the runes that Agatha told her about in the basement and prevented Agatha from using her full power. So Wanda was able to actually take all of Agatha's abilities and brainwash her into being the character that she 
faked that she was portraying as she tried to infiltrate and steal Wanda's powers. So as Wanda very quickly caught on and gained a greater hold on her abilities, she dispelled the whole hex. Unfortunately, with that went her children and the fake vision. But all the people that were brainwashed and living in the hex were freed and Wanda decided to leave. She seemed very grateful for the entire experience and disappeared into the woods where she's learning how to master her abilities. There's plenty of speculation about this being a connection to Doctor Strange. The cat is fully out of the bag on the multiverse and Marvel. So there's a lot of possibilities that can come out of this. The next major Marvel film is Spider-Man, which is rumored to have its own multiverse implications. So there's not much to take away from this. I mean, they, they tied the knot on everything that I had questions about. And I praised them. This was a great series. I enjoyed every episode of it. And there's a lot to be left from it. We now know what the Captain Marvel connection will be. We know that Doctor Strange is very likely to have some type of interaction with Wanda in the near future. And the number one thing we learned was you cannot play with Wanda. She has made it abundantly clear that she is presently the most powerful character in the universe. When you could create literally people out of Infinity Stone energy, you are not to be messed with. So I'm highly anticipating the rest of the Marvel series slated to come out. They delivered masterfully on their initial run. And I enjoyed it. Let me know if you want to talk about it. My line is always open to discuss what took place. And I hope that you were able to enjoy it too. So we can conclude this episode with the gaming section where there wasn't much movement in the industry as a whole. We're seeing the major digital entertainment platform Roblox continuing to gain more and more market share in the video game market for children. As their focus right now is how they can target older audiences. They're approaching every single week closer and closer to their IPO. A very highly anticipated IPO as many people see a lot of value in it. But this is not a financial podcast. So I cannot recommend nor advise against the investment in it. But they're trying to set themselves up to be a very high level IPO. And in the rest of the industry, we're continuing to see movement towards trying to get more consoles into people's hands with the next gen. But unfortunately, there's been a lot of industry inventory issues with the limitations of just being able to ship things overseas. Nintendo, who has been not much affected because their Switch has been out for a while now. They announced that they're planning on doing a pro version of their Switch, a plus version, with a bigger screen in 4K. But on a whole, the industry is trying to figure out now where to keep their feet all the way dove into. The virtual reality industry is still trying to understand how they're going to become a household name. The actual games being released, a lot are still in production. 
a lot experience setbacks because of unforeseen conditions. But what this tells me is that everyone who was set back is likely going to end up finishing up around a similar time. So it's entirely possible that we see a six-month period with banger after banger after banger, just amazing games coming out. And of course, as a gamer myself, I hope that that's the case. And that's all we have to talk about this week. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you taking your time out to let me update you, give you my thoughts on what's going on in the world of pop culture. As always, let me know if there's any ways you think I can improve to make this a better audio experience for you. And I'll talk to you next week. This is Behold Pop Culture.